Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager with the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field. Please consider making a play by giving, hosting a friend raiser, subscribing to our podcast and YouTube channel, and staying connected on social media at Orange Arrow PA. Visit orangearrow.org for more information. Thank you for listening. Take aim. Welcome to Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow. And I'm your host, Sean Robinson. Today we have a very, very special guest, my guy, Mr. Denny Terzik. I've seen you now over Zoom. Looks like you're at home, you're not in one of your beautiful cars. We're gonna talk about that later, <laughs> but how are you doing today? I'm doing well, even though I see about six inches of snow that we got yesterday. Um, yes, I can't believe it. Can't complain, but it's all, all good. Uh, still working from home. And, uh, you know, it's, I got the view of the city, but I'm sure I don't have the weather that you have. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're there in Pittsburgh, six inches over the night? Yes, yesterday. That much snow. Amazing. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, so I, I love Pittsburgh. I love the Ohio region. I do not miss the snow. I miss the people. I do not miss the weather. So I totally understand that one. I'm still blown away how I can play golf all year round. Oh, wow. Like, it's incredible. Like, actually, I'm playing Saturday. Oh, good. Like, that soon. That soon. So, um, so we connected over golf. How's, how's the golf game improved? We haven't played in a while. How's you know what? This, this year was a lot of golf, um, just because it was one of the things we can do. So, got a chance to take clients you know, and different people I work with as well as friends. And, you know, I got a lot more rounds in this year than I did in many other years. Uh, so finally took some lessons and trying to hone the game in a little bit more and more since I'm playing it more often. Very nice. And so, so at least when it first started, being able to play during COVID, did you have you all in separate golf carts? What they did is it was pretty, it was different. They had a, a plastic divider between the two seats in the cart. Oh. And I think everybody was... You know, look, I came with the same person in a car. I'm okay in the golf cart. And then that kind of went away. So um, we were, okay, you know, at one time they were, everybody had their own cart. And I'll be honest with you, I liked it much better because yeah. everybody could go to their ball. We played a lot faster and we yes. still met up and had great conversation. But I know that's not uh, financially the best option uh, for golf courses. Right. That's true. That's true. It, I agree with you there. I do like having a single cart. We're still doing that here in Florida. Nice. And it did pick up the game. It picked it up does. the game. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And then also uh, having the music. Uh, well. <laughs> what would you say? I could play my music by myself in my in the car. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it was also helpful having the um, not having to put the ball actually in the hole because it was blocked. Did you oh, have yeah. that as well? Yeah. So it was blocked. Yeah. So you had to keep the pin in the hole. So yes. Yeah, so so I'm sure people were giving it so. <laughs> more credit than normal i would have made that oh absolutely it happened this weekend actually my buddy he missed he hit the pin twice and it kicked out so he finally gave the second one he counted so fair enough fair yes. enough so so denny warm-up questions yes what is your favorite tv show of all time i would say you know i think thought about that a little bit probably friends you know because that okay. was kind of like when i was growing up uh you know and it just kind of fits my group of friends if you would say and just you know the just the comedy of it the you know how real it was to a lot of people's lives and how you interacted with you know other friends you have and you know I probably would say that's probably of all time nice and so who would you 
best identify with as far as the character of friends? Oh, I've got that question before. I would, I would say it'd be multiple. I don't think I'm just one. So okay. I couldn't say which one. Multiple, multiple. Awesome. So if you could work any job for one day, one day only, what job would that be? You know, I thought about that because there's a lot of cool jobs, be like a CEO of a large company or what have you. I thought about it. Why not be president of the United States, right? If we're going to swing, let's swing big. But just imagine the magnitude of the job itself, the information, everything that's going on around the globe, the pressures, you know, this, you know, it, it, there's so much to that job, probably from the beginning of the day to the end, it would just be unreal to be able to experience that for a full day yeah that's really good that's a great one that's a great one last one you're a baseball player yes you have the choice to be a hall of fame baseball player with no rings or come off the bench and have two rings which one are you going hall of famer yeah, or two rings? that's a very difficult one because there's two ways to look at this right you could say the hall of fame you've to give it everything you had you know you perfected your you just did you, you didn't take the team to to win the championship then you could say you sat on the bench and you got two rings which is great because it's more of a team uh mentality so you know it is a hard one because um both has both the sides have advantages but i guess i would say you know because it's a team i'd say winning super bowls with a big group of you know guys or gals whatever you're playing would be great as a team and that would probably gel you for life with those people because you won that championship. Yeah. So, so you're going with the two rings. I'm going to go with the two rings, even though I'd rather go hall of fame. Cause I want to make sure I'm peaking in whatever I do and do it best. Um, yeah. It's a hard one. I got to be honest with you. It I don't want to waver and say both. <laughs> you got to make a decision. You're great. at making decisions. You're a decision I'll go, maker. I'll go, I'll go with the rings uh, being part of a team. That's great. Great. I love being part of a team. Honestly, Think I'm going Hall of Fame. So I think I think this. You know what helps me? You know what helps me with that decision? I yeah. think of like Charles Barkley and Robert Ory. Absolutely. Right. Right. Robert Ory, what well, he might have five or six rings. Incredible. Right. That Hall of Fame, like that thing has carried hell. I mean, I mean, he's a Hall of Fame announcer now, but but you think about life after the sport as well, like having awesome. a Hall of Fame attached to you is pretty significant. Oh. So true. So true. I was going to say there was no wrong answer there. Um, it was you're, you're kind of caught between both. Right. Right. Awesome. Awesome. So, Denny, take us back. Hometown, family upbringing. Wow. Uh, so grew up in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in an area called West Mifflin. Um, it was uh, everybody knew Kennywood Amusement Park. Um, you know, back in the day, we, I lived by Century Three Mall, which was like the big mall that was built there. Now it's already closed. I'm going to um, interrupt, Denny. Yeah. I have never gone to Kennywood. You haven't? Never. Wow. Drove past it plenty of times. Even when I was, you know, being a student athlete there, people would go. I never went. I mean, I'm not a big amusement park guy, like roller coasters. So I wasn't, yeah. it wasn't my thing. But that's something I have to change. I at least got to, it's probably not the same for when back then. But I need at least need to go because all my time in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. At least say you went. Exactly. You know, exactly. It's, it's very much like a blue collar area. Um, you know, hard nosed, you know, grew up playing sports my entire life, played football, baseball, uh, basketball, just, uh, it was a good area with good core of people. We're still a great friends to this day. Uh, but I think that area, you know, not growing up with a lot kind of also helped motivate 
and, uh, you know, and help build who you are later in life because mm. it was kind of like a, more of a blue-collar, hard-nosed area. Um, and, I, you know, and I think that's what helps make you grow as a person, too. That's good. That's good. So, football, what position did you play? Quarterback. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense with the baseball tie. So, yeah. when we talk about baseball, who's your favorite baseball player? Some of your favorite baseball players. Who do you look up to? You know – Back in the day, um, you know, if you look at it, there's there's so many great players and what have you. Um, you know, if, if you look at way back in the old days, you know, Pete Rose, maybe he had some issues around it, but the hard knows how he played the game yeah. is what I respected. Mm-hmm. You know, how could you not? Yeah, absolutely. But if you if you go all the way through it, um, you know, being a pitcher, Nolan Ryan, um, there's a guy that I just think did it right. He was you know, always on point, played super well. Um, so that's somebody I would say probably that I really liked as a pitcher. Um, you know, if you look at it from a standpoint, he dominated. He was so ahead of his time. Um, and everybody remembers him of that one fight on the mound. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great, great segue, 80 fights on the mound for you as a pitcher. Oh, so we, I'll give you a quick story. So, Pitt, we're at spring training, and um, we had a new coach that year. And we were kind of like a team trying to find an identity. Right. And so we played a fake play. We fake play and we got the other team from Florida to buy in and we got the guy out and our pitcher at the time kind of like talked a little game on him because we got him. And okay. next show, we had a full bench clearing brawl. Um, parents fighting in the stand. It was crazy. Are you serious? Yeah. The police even came. And, uh, and after that, we became such a tight knit team and group. It was actually good. Um, hmm. You know, no one got hurt, which is good. Okay, it was great. Day, um, you know, it was, it was a pretty wild bench clearing brawl. So, wow. And he spilled over to the fans, like family members and parents were fighting. Well, they were screaming at, they were screaming at us, you know, even during the game. So it was a lot of intensity. So I guess we were from up north and, you know, playing a southern team and they, you know, down south, they feel that they should beat the North team no matter what because we don't play all right. year long. So right, right, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. And so, so what I find oftentimes is that athletes they have a tie to a jersey number, a significant number. So, for example, at Pitt, I wore the number seven because my seven is the number of completion. My goal was to be a complete corner. Is there a jersey number that you wore, even for a season or a couple of seasons, that has significance to you? Well, I'll tell you two. First one okay. was 13. The first year I played quarterback in football, I wore 13 because of Marino. I, 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 was, hey, I, was, I was about to jump in and let hey, me wait, guess that so one. I, yep. I sprained my my wrist, my arm, I mean, and I got rid of the number immediately because it became, I thought it was bad luck. So, um, <laughs> But in college, I went with 34. And the funny part about that is um, it was my dad, when I was growing up, I'm into cars, obviously, as we said, he had a 34 Ford. So, you know, it was like something I helped them build when I was young, you know, growing up, that was our, you know, old classic car and, you know, just spent a lot of time with him building the car. So I took 34 and that was my number uh, throughout college in baseball. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. And actually, you know what, let's stay there. Let's dig into that. So you mentioned you helped help build that car when you were younger. Yes. And so, so I, I, I know you for a few years and I remember when you were talking about building a car that was like foreign to me. So talk about like, where did his love for cars come from? You know, I, I probably didn't have a choice because my dad, that's his passion, right? He was, in, uh, he was a chemist growing, you know, through his career, but it was cars galore. So 
I remember back when I was very young, my uh, parents told me my mother went to my father and said, you need to let him play sports and cars will just come later in life because he was so pushing cars. But I, I did get the bug. I enjoyed it since I was young. Um, so I was around it all the time. And, and it just became, you know, when I quit playing baseball after Pitt, I, I told my dad, I said, you know what, we're going to start building nationally and try to get in some national magazines. And, you know, we just tried. You know, we didn't have a lot of money and, you know, but we tried to do a lot of work ourselves and we ended up knock on wood, you know, we, we did very well. We were ended up on like, I probably 20 plus front national magazine covers, uh, feature articles, probably close to 80 of them. So we did really well and it was fun and it became more of a passion slash hobby business. Um, and we just built our own cars and had a lot of fun with it. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. So we're going to jump back in the cars. So you mentioned you played baseball at Pitt. Mm -hmm. Talk about your transition from being a student athlete and going into the professional world. So coming out of high school, um, I actually signed a letter of intent to go play quarterback at Virginia Tech. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I was I was at Beamer's house all the you know you know before with all the boosters signed, and then they had issues right before the national signing day, and they lost a lot of the scholarships, but a few of them um, because of some I don't know what the issue was, and now all of a sudden here I was committed and told all the other teams that I was going to Virginia Tech, and now I was out. So I called all the universities and they said, you know, walk on, you know, we'll definitely, we'll earn a scholarship. And I wasn't sure I wanted to do that. So then I said, you know what, I'll look to D1 in baseball then. So I went and that's how I ended up going to Pitt um, and signed with Pitt with baseball. It was between there and Ohio State. So I signed at Pitt. You're going to laugh about this. They find out, football finds out I signed a baseball scholarship and I get a phone call one day. They're like, what are you doing at Pitt? And, you know, because they knew I committed. That was the same time Alex Van Pelt signed with Pitt. And so they said, well, why don't you come on? We actually need somebody to punt. And when we recruited you, remember, we put, you punted, and you can come and play quarterback. So all of a sudden, I'm riding in camp one day down to, uh, to Pitt football camp. The, the, I didn't know freshmen, and I don't know if that was a rule back in your day. You could not talk to the press as a freshman. So <laughs> – here I come. I wasn't at the orientation and all the rules and regulations. So I'm talking to the press. And on the news, they have Pitt baseball player comes in to help fulfill the void for punter. And I went just because they were to give me an op opportunity to play quarterback. Right. So I get a call from the baseball coach. What are you doing? We're paying your way. <laughs> you know, the, wow. You know, so I didn't stay long. They found a punter come on. And I told him, hey, look, I'm going to go commit over to baseball. Um, maybe a regret I'll carry, you know, for a long, for the rest of my life. But I went and played baseball for four years. I ended up lettering all four years. Loved it. Coach Lewis, when I started out, one of the best guys you've ever met. Um, it was really good. I played against Mo Vaughn, Biggio, a lot of big names. Um, mm -hmm. and let me tell you, Mo Vaughn with an aluminum bat, you know, you know, basically that close. I was, that was the only person I was nervous pitching to. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. It sounded like a hurricane was going off. I mean, it was unbelievable. He was, he was so good. Um, but anyway, it was just a great experience. I ended up hurting my arm in my junior year. Um, I finished out. So that kind of kills you as a pitcher for any chances moving on to maybe minors or what have you. But 
And now, did up, you have aspirations or goals? Like, did you want to be a professional I, baseball player? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, every, you know, when you're at that level, as you know, everybody wants to try to make it to the next level. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure if I would have made it or not, but, you know, I was giving it everything I had and uh, ended up hurting my arm. And I still finished out my senior year, ended up being a closer. So, uh, you know, I became like a wild thing running on the field. At the <laughs> Classic. So, Classic. Funny, we used to have friends out in the outfield singing that song when I'd come out on the field. So it was oh, that's, well, basically. So that's what I'm gonna have to start doing when I call you. I gotta no, start no, singing no. Wild Thing. No, 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 no. That was many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so you threw me for a curveball. I did not know out of high school you were initially, you initially was gonna play football. That was my main. That wow. was probably. And I'll give you a funny other story. One other story. I love basketball better than all three, but. They had me playing forward. And let me tell you, 6'1", I'm not going anywhere forward, right? <laughs> so the funniest part is I get a letter from uh, – I still remember this. I got all these recruiting letters, and I get one letter, and I open it up, and it's basketball for Clearwater, Florida. And I tell my dad, I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm going to look at this. And he goes, no, you're not. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Division One offers. You're going D Division One of the other sports. But I, I love basketball. But anyway, football was kind of like the way I was heading. And, you know, just because of that whole issue, um, it may be a little bit 180. Um, and I end up seeing, remember Donahue, who was like, I think he worked for the Steelers. He was at Pitt for a while. Uh, it sounds familiar. Tom Donahue, I think I saw yeah. him walking to practice one day on campus. And he's like, I heard you're not playing football. And he's like, you will someday. And I, it, it never happened. But uh, yeah, I was heading football all the way at the beginning. How about that? How about that? And yeah, so you didn't know that. So, so baseball I mean basketball was actually my first love as well and I oh, was yeah. actually pretty good pretty good in baseball but basketball you couldn't tell me I was going to be the next Michael Jordan <laughs> uh, so 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 two stories that kind of tie into some of the things you said so one of the promos they had before like the pit football games they were like interviewing the players mm -hmm. and so they uh they asked me like what did I want to be when I was growing up so you know the big drum tron in the high field I said you know yeah. I wanted to be the next Michael Jordan, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. so I got somebody in my in the stands was sitting next to one of my friends that was like, well, you need to worry about being a better quarterback, <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> as opposed to that. So that was pretty funny. And then the other thing is, I also attempted to play two sports while at Pitt. No so way. I walked onto the track team. Oh, because so, you were one of the fastest guys on the football team. I know that. If not yeah, so, so I could I could run a little bit. I could run a little bit. That track speed was totally different. Fast wow. forward, I got to my first indoor meet and I pulled my hamstring in a 200 meter. And that's oh, when Coach Harris said, nope, you are here to play football. You're on scholarship. No more track for you. So that, that was my, my Funny my how one, that happens. Yeah. The coaches get a little territorial. Exactly, exactly. But you know what? I actually think it's good, though, especially like for young people, like to play multiple sports. I think it does nothing but to help you, Absolutely. especially when, it, when they're complimentary really like that. Well, you know, like uh, – Kervin Richards, he played baseball and football when I, you know, during my time. So he was a dual sport uh, player, but it's hard. And, and I think growing up, that's one thing I think that I hear how sports, because, you know, it's like you have to play fall ball, spring ball. And we were, you know, back in our time, you could play all three sports and you were good. Right. Now the coaches of baseball saying, well, you're going to fall behind because you're playing football in the fall. And, you know, and it's kind of making kids silo themselves into one sport and I truly do think multiple sports is good because you don't know what you're gonna you know kind of grow into 
or what you're going to be really good at, um, especially at a young age. No, that's so true. That's so true. If you pigeonhole yourself, I'm going to be baseball or I'm going to be football, and it doesn't happen, like right. you're lost. But who knows? You would have played two or three sports similar to you. Football didn't work out, but you had an opportunity because you've been playing baseball to also play baseball as well at, at a D1 level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where I think today the kids are kind of pressured to focus on one, maybe two at the most. And so you are in the, uh, the wealth management industry. Take yeah. us quickly through the, uh, that journey. How did you get to where you are? Yeah, it's a very indirect road. Um, so I came out of college. I was always in some type of sales position or sales management. So I started out at a uh, Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance out of college. And I liked it. I did well, but I was kind of like a 22, 23. I wasn't into selling the life insurance. Some people are. Um, but I did very well at it. And I decided to leave and I went into the more the lending and mortgage industry um, and ended up uh, going into management there. Um, was in management for 15 years. And in 2007 to 2008, during the recession, all those companies were really going, you know, basically could not conduct business any longer because there was no secondary market to buy those mortgage paper. And we weren't in the subprime, but, you know, at the end of the day, even when you did what we called Prime Plus, which is almost the bank paper, nobody was buying it. So we ended up closing down and, and, and there's funny, I flew out to California worrying about, I had at that time, I was running the East Coast and I was flying to California, lay off 1500 people. Wow. And then I was all worried about them and what they're going to do. And then I flew back and I'm like, wait, there's no industry left. So I'm like, what am I going to do? So that's when I took and started a um, investment mortgage company with a, a, a neighbor I used to li live by. And what I did was I started doing that with an alternative investment group we started. And just one thing happened after another, my cousin called me and said, hey, BNY Mellon has a private wealth management group. You might like that. And then I got a headhunter call me. So boom, it just, the stars aligned and I ended up being at BNY Mellon. I've been there now going on 11 years soon. So um, it's an indirect road, but you know, it's been something I really enjoy. I work with high net individuals and families with uh, not only their investments, but their private banking, their estate planning. You know, we have a teams of people that work for each one of our clients and their families, and I enjoy it. Um, I'm friends with m almost all the clients that we that I have. They're like, some of them are my best friends. I hang out with them, I golf with them, I race with them, whatever it might be. So it's a very uh, enjoyable, um, you know, I think position or, or field to go into if you like relationship building. And I was actually, that's a great segue. I was going to ask you that question because one of the things we share with our young student athletes and college student athletes, we talk about the power of relationships. So can you yeah. speak to that, please? It's so important. Uh, it's funny because people will call me and they're like, hey, you know, they know my network is very large. So if they need to get in contact with people, they end up calling me a lot of times or, they're, hey, can you help me, you know, spin to somebody else. But as you know, um, as well as you did with Orange Arrow and growing it, it's you have to build your personal black book, if you want to call it that, um, because that book of people, your contacts is so important because you can lean on anybody in the time of need, or you can connect the dots for somebody else and help somebody else. Um, so even if you're a younger person out there, you need to be out there building what I call your own brand. Um, I think it's so important um, to be out there building your brand. You're a walking billboard of yourself every day. 
So you need to be out there creating those contacts, which is creating that larger and larger black book. So when you get older, you know, you're going to have so many good contacts that no matter what you're doing professionally or even personally, you have a lot of people to lean on or you have a good solution uh, to reach out to. Mm, yeah, that's good. That's great advice. Really, really good advice. And speaking of advice, what advice would you give to, let's say, a young person or a college student athlete who may be interested in your industry? You know, when I would tell, when I tell everybody is try to figure out what your strengths are. Um, so, you know, there's different in, in wealth management, you can look at it from the investment management side, you know, like in our place, you'll have people that they just basically manage the money. Um, they're keeping those relationships going once they become a client and they're in charge of asset strategy and so forth, more into the weeds of investment management. Um, or you could basically look at it from my perspective is you're a relationship builder. So I'm out there building you know, relationships with our current clients. I'm, I'm trying to find new clients to come in or somebody calls and wants to be introduced to our firm. I'll go out and talk to them and what we do, how we do and why we do it well. So I would play it off of, you know, what are your, what's your skill set? What makes the best sense for you? And then go out and experience, you know, maybe through an internship, shadow some people, you know, get out there and, you know, don't be afraid to go ask somebody to sit down for a coffee and tell me about your business. How do I get started in it? And what, you know, and figure out what your great path would be. Um, just don't be afraid. Uh, and my, my advice to them is reach out to as many people, go out and, you know, pave your own path um, and, and do it in a smart way. Don't come in like, you know, it all. And let me show you how it's done. Because too many times that happens and that's the wrong way. Go in with a very open mind, but a work ethic that I'm going to outwork anybody else. And I think you'll be successful in whatever you choose to do. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great advice. That's great advice. And so, you know, stick, stick with your industry. I mean, it's a tough industry to be successful in. So you, you spoke to her a little bit towards the end about the attitude coming in. Like, where's some of the, why do you think some people, so many people do not succeed in that industry? Yeah, I think what happens in, in, in any indie, indie industry, I should say, is people will come in and they'll say, okay, they see the people succeeding at it. And they're like, okay, I'm going to come in and day three, I should be succeeding, right? What they don't see is like we always say is they see the tip of the iceberg, right? But they don't see everything under the water was all the effort, the nose and turndowns and in some days where you're walking in with your head down and you keep pushing forward but they just see the peak of that iceberg. So you got to remember all the foundational things that built that iceberg and what they had to go through and always understand is like, if you're going into something, understand it's going to take you three to five years to put your, your efforts towards it and create the longevity. It's not going to be day one. And I think that's where people fail, you know, and it's, it's not a, if you, if you can't take no uh, or be told, no, it's not a good industry. Um, you know, to be in. It isn't. Uh, it's, you know, and I always tell everybody that it's just, I go back to what are you, what is good for your personality, for your traits and make sure you've got that aligned with the job you're looking into. That's good. That's good. Right, I'm taking you back to cars. Oh boy. So in your garage, what is your favorite car to drive right now? Oh, um, so probably the Lamborghini right now. Um, so that, that one's more of a fun car. I got, you know, I would tell everybody, I, call, I don't take my advice on this because I even tell my clients, 
don't do what I do because this is not financially probably the the best decision to make. I have more of a car issue. Um, but yeah, right now, you know, right now that would be the fun car. I enjoy it. It's um, it's 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 a lot of fun. I, you know, it's probably I do less of the old cars now and a little bit more into the modern exotics. Tell us about the the Lamborghini, the color, the model. So it's an Aventador uh, black with uh, it has like a burnt burnt orange uh, aftermarket wheels, carbon fiber body kit, race exhaust. Um, so it's pretty loud. So you're Batman, basically is what you're saying. That's what everybody calls it. They do. They call it the Batmobile. Now that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. So what, what is like the windows tinted though? I don't want anybody to know I'm in it. So. That's good. That, that's why. That's why. So what do you normally drive though? You don't drive that on a daily basis, especially no, if this uh, one is six inches. Oh, yeah, exactly. I have a Porsche Panamera. Um, so that's my, what I drive every day. And I modify everything. So I got wheels on it. I got carbon fiber I'm putting on it. So I can't leave anything alone. You know, I call it putting new shoes on a car. You, you can't have a car. You got to put new wheels and tires on. Nice, nice. Now, do you take either one of those to the racetracks when the weather's nice or do you? So I have a, I have a, uh, I just sold it actually. I had a super light SLC. It's kind of a composite kit car for the racetrack. And a lot of my clients and friends, we, we rent the, 2.6 mile road course up at pit race at Beaver. And so I would race that and we would take it on the track and hitting some high speed. So I definitely have the, uh, the adrenaline rush of the racetrack. So I, I enjoy doing that too. Nice. So after COVID, I look forward to the invite. I just want to come watch. I don't get in the cars. I'm not going to drive. You're gonna I take, want to come watch the race. No, you're getting in the car with us. You could be a passenger. We'll get you a helmet. I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that one. <laughs> what we'll do is the best thing is we'll uh, we'll videotape you while you're in the car. Oh my goodness, that would be comical. That, that I may go viral because I might be a little scared, but now I look forward to it. Look oh, forward yeah. to it. That's it awesome stuff. And so and so when we think about the work of Orange Arrow of coaching student athletes to aim for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, off the diamond, wherever the playing arena may be. Yeah. Why is it important for a student athlete to be successful outside of their sport? You know, because look, sports, when you're growing up, sports, and, and you had it, I had it. That's all you thought about. I would go to practice. I'd come home. I'd get my dad, go practice more. You know, and that's what makes you successful. And I think sports is the foundation that puts that burning desire to succeed in you. But you got to realize, look at the percentages that make it to the pros, it's very, very, very small. Even if you look at the percentage of D1 players that go to the pros, it's very, very small. So you have to understand and don't – I think too many people put, this is my only way I'm going to succeed in life is I'm going to make it to the pros. That's a good focus, but you got to be prepared for the backdrop, and that is where Orange Arrow comes in. And I think – you know, I've been with you since you started this day one, and I love the concept. And it's, it's taking the kids and showing them life as well as sports and how you have to balance those two out and succeed at both of them. And I think that is such an appealing focus that you have with Orange Arrow is taking, you know, these young kids and just really, um, you know, what I would say, giving them a little good uh, flavor of what life's about outside of sports. Yeah. Yeah, that's or good. What can be outside of sports. Exactly. That too. That too. Wonderful. By exposure. Denny, thank you for your continued support. Thank you for your, your time today. 
I mean, I'm forever grateful for all the work you have been doing to make sure Orange Girl is moving in the right direction, bring your resources, your contacts, financially, like all the stuff you've been doing, man. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate you. And once we get past this pandemic, I look forward to connecting with you oh, first on the golf course and then maybe on the, uh, on the racetrack. We'll do, but oh, we're going to do the racetrack too. We'll do both. <laughs> awesome. hey, anything, you do a great job and thank you for what you do. It's awesome. Appreciate you. Thank right. you for your time. Bye now.